Go ahead. Well, welcome to the Path Design Podcast. <laughs> All right. Let's fix this camera. Welcome to the Path Design Podcast. This is a little bit strange. Oh, my goodness. We have not done anything live in any format ever. Everything that I record in audio is always just in a format, generally with a, a handheld, handheld recorder and me talking in the privacy of my truck, in my basement, in my barn. I was talking with a friend last night about how I just want to do a video. I want to begin to maybe do any kind of outlet that's possible for us to get this message out of what we are convinced the Lord is saying in this hour. And basically, I just worded it like this. If, if I believe that there's something within this highlighter that is of great value, of extreme importance, I would want to just take this and I'd want to turn it every possible way. I would want to move it, give it every opportunity to be delivered to you rightly to understand how valuable this is, how important it is for you to, to see what is within this. And so what I have been thinking about and, and trying to come up with ideas of what to do is like, I want to be willing to give myself to every single opportunity that I can come up with to get the message out to any person that they might listen to it. So whatever avenue, whatever platform, whatever type of media, I want to do that. I want to make myself available to do that. I'm much more comfortable sitting by myself without a camera on my face. I don't like that. It makes me a little bit, uh, a little bit nervous. But listen, I just feel like this is very important. Now, if you follow the Path Design podcast at all, and if you don't, go to pathdesign.com. You can look at over a year's worth now of episodes. A lot of times at the, the normalcy of life, I record an entire podcast um, episode every day. Most of the time for the last several months, I do at least three to five episodes per week. And if I do a series, a study, uh, a more biblically heavy topic, I try to give it some more space on the other end purposely to kind of keep, for lack of better words, regurgitating it to give people a chance, an opportunity to really get all that we can, squeeze everything that we can out of a certain episode or multi-part series. Now, the series that I just concluded that I've been purposely just holding back and kind of restraining myself to put anything new out there is the purpose within the pestilence. And y'all listen, this, this message has really been, it's really changing my understanding of who God, the perfect father, the Elohim of Elohims, the King of all Kings, who he is and, and his sovereign, perfect hand in humanity and the pattern that we see all throughout the scriptures about how he moves on the behalf of his people, what he calls them to, what he calls them out of so that he can bring them into himself. Now, listen, the, the whole the sole purpose of what I'm doing this for specifically is on Saturday. I had an opportunity to get up in front of a congregation where we presently fellowship and share out of this teaching that I've been working on for the last week, 10 days or so. It's been online for I don't know. What day is it? 
And basically in, in a two and a half hour teaching recorded audio, it's online now it's in five parts and it's here on YouTube and it is already put together in a playlist beginning to end. It's two and a half hours. Now, even that is very condensed, but here's the problem. Two and a half hours of content for one message, I understand, is a little bit overwhelming for most people. I get that. It's overwhelming for me. I can't remember the last time I personally gave myself to a two and a half hour teaching by anyone. So I understand that. So what we've been talking about is what can we do based on what happened Saturday when I was given the opportunity to share in a very concise form of this message. And so I got to thinking, what if... We just take all of this stuff, right? We take all of these studies and all of this stuff that is, again, is just on the periphery of understanding of all the multiple layers that are within the scriptures and try, but according to the spirit of the Lord, if the Lord would give us the ability to just cram it down into something a lot more manageable. Now, listen, with that being said, I don't know how long this is going to be, but my whole goal and purpose is to make it clear the main points within this um, submitted idea and thought for you to chew on, to give your own self to, to study and look into these scriptures and say, you know what, God, is this, is there something to this? Is this, is this true? I mean, is this who you are or build upon something you yourself already understand that may be further along the road in this understanding more so than what I've even found myself. Believing that we have different components and parts, pieces, if you will, of the puzzle of being the people of God on the earth who are giving ourselves in our own individual circumstances, fellowships, and, and places in life, even geographically, to each receive pieces and parts of what the whole oracle of God is coming out to the earth. Now, here's one thing, and then we're going to get started. We know that the Bible tells us clearly that the Lord does nothing without first declaring it or announcing it through his prophets, through his seers, with a biblical pattern. God, see, people want to talk about how God is so silent. Where is God right now? What is, what is God doing? Is he just checked out? What, where is he? Well, I tell you what, he's right here. He's right here. And you know what? If, and this is kind of a stretch for many people. He's right here. If we ourselves are indwelled, we don't have time to get on to that, <laughs> get into all those things. If we are literally indwelled by the spirit of God and we are in fact now believing what the scripture says, which we are now part of a living temple where stones are being assembled and established for what? To build and erect the house of God. I am not the house of God. Friend, you are not the house of God, but you can be a primary component built upon the cornerstone to be established for the for the glory and the presence of God himself to indwell humanity. OK, so with that in mind, let's go ahead and move into this. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I do not know how this is going to go. It's very hard for me to take something that like I look at point A, B, C, D, E, and I don't want to leave out E and I sure can't leave out G. But what if I leave out A and I count do I get to Z? And I don't know. I don't know. Let's see what the Lord would say. This is the purpose within the pestilence. OK, there is a pestilence on the earth. No one can argue that. Even mere days ago, I said, well, I don't know anybody personally who has this pestilence, this illness. Well, here we are several days later. Now I do. Now I personally know people who have 
who are experiencing these symptoms, this sickness. And I don't think we can just kind of push that away anymore and just say, well, it's all purported and who really knows. Now, is it what we are told? Mm, I doubt it. I don't think it's quite as alarming as we have been told. But whatever the case, this is what my point has been from the very beginning now. And this is, man, this goes back 15 years when we started looking at a lot of different timelines of humanity that come all the way into America and its foundations. And like, it's not about events. It's not about whether they're true, whether they're fabricated. It is primarily about how do people respond when these things come to pass? What do people do when the event comes up And it's everything from here on that matters. If people come to an event and respond a certain way, it is how they respond that is the issue. It's not whether or not the event is real or whether it's conspiracy or whether it's inserted into the kingdoms of men. It really doesn't matter. But it's how people respond. So here's the thing that I think is very important for the people of God, for for God's nation, if you will, those who are truly in Yeshua, Messiah, the Son of God, and in Him who have lost their lives for His sake and have therefore been at least on the journey and trajectory to finding life, we must know why these things come. We must know what they are, the best the Lord will reveal, and we must run to the eternal Word of God to find out what. What is the pattern of God with his people? What is the pattern of God with humanity from the very beginning? A lot of people want to just talk about revelation. We want to talk about all the prophetic things that are in the final last days and the judgment. And where are we in the timeline? You know what? That's okay. I understand if that's your thing, that's fine. But the reality is we have to go all the way to the back. We all the way back to the beginning and we have to follow the timeline of God with his people and humanity as a whole and what God does when mankind rebels and exalts themselves to what? Deify themselves and say, you know what? Hey, we've got this. And listen, it's 2020. Humanity, I would say now more than ever, at least equal to, they believe we are self-sufficient. The whole church has come up with formulas of of how we fabricate and and invite the presence of God. We we know how to release the smoke. We know how to adjust the volume. We know how to move people to what? To bring in the glory and presence of God. Y'all, this is not the pattern of God in the scriptures. You know what brings the presence of God? People on their faces in humility and repentance saying, oh God, we have sinned against you. This demands a response. What does the word say? That that God, Yahweh God eternal is looking. His eyes are roaming about to and fro on the earth. What? What is he looking for? For men whose hearts are towards him. How do we get towards him? I'm already sidetracked. The purpose within the pestilence. Listen, I'm going to try to hit these points. Do some studies for yourself. You know, I talk to a lot of people and they say, you know what, Joel, I don't have time to study. I don't have time to listen. I don't have time to read. Listen, if you don't have time right now, you may never have time. Everybody is saying, I got nothing to do. What are you doing? I'm watching a video. I'm playing a game. I'm doing a puzzle. I'm trying to, you know, listen. Use your time wisely, people. This is the hour 
for the people of God to raise the standard of their own life. I have been called to do that myself, to raise the bar on what I do of fasting and praying, of of communicating with my wife, of training my son, of going out into the city and like being looking for what God would orchestrate in the intersections of our life. And here I am distracted again. Like, what am I doing? The purpose within the pestilence. Okay. The main text is second Samuel chapter 24 and first Chronicles 21. Both of these different texts talk about the exact same event and instance that we see here in the scripture surrounding David and him taking a census there. Okay, so we're, we are going to, just myself now, my study is about this, okay? Let's put this in a box, and right now, we're going to, we're going to address maybe this, maybe this surface, okay? That's it. So give yourself to what the Lord might say. You know what? Maybe there's something in this. Let's dig it out. Let's seek it out. Let's study and show ourselves approved so that we who are called according to his name understand the importance of the role of why we are now here in flesh and blood. Why are we here? To hear the oracles of God, to speak them to the nations, to let them know, you know what? There's something to this. And we must know what he's saying. All right, we're 13 minutes, 25 seconds in. I'm sorry. I can I can probably, if I listen, I'd hear my wife laughing out there say, oh my gosh, he's going to take all night. I don't know. What do you do? The purpose within the pestilence, God is surely not silent. A lot of people are saying, where's God? Why is he not involved in this? Why are we hearing what God's saying? Where is he? I'm telling you. That's not the issue, y'all. We do not have ears to hear. We don't have ears to hear. It's time for that to change, and it costs us something. We have to do something. The finished work of Messiah is done. It is accomplished so that we become a people that do something with the empowering that has come through the Messiah, leaving and sending the Holy Spirit to indwell us. So 2 Samuel chapter 24, I'm just going to try to, I've got to take all of this and I've just got to really cram it in there now. So um, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, we see several different things going on in summary. David says to Joab to go out and count the people. I'm calling for a census. Now, again, there's two different parallel events or um, accounts of the same event, 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21. One says, in summary, that the adversary now rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census. And 2 Samuel, the account says, the anger of Adonai blazed up against Israel, so he, Adonai, moved David to act against them. I quickly want to make the point from the very beginning, because this is very important, that they are, in fact, the same. People want to say, well, we have to step back and we have to examine, okay, is this from the devil or is this from God? Is it bad or is it good? We have to get a biblical understanding of the governmental authority of the heavens and the counsel of God and God, Yahweh himself, where the earth is his footstool. And he looks down and he has this perfectly orchestrated plan to say, you know what? Y'all don't get it. You little humans down here, you don't understand. I orchestrate all these things. And so it's not black or white. These things are all intermingled for what? To accomplish the perfect sovereign hand of God upon the earth for his 
creation, me, you, all of humanity. They are, in fact, interchangeable. So we have to be careful. We're not like, well, these texts instantly disagree because one says that adversary rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census or the anger of Adonai moved David to act against them. They are, in fact, the same. And we have to understand that from the very beginning, because just like we see in Job, we see it through all the scriptures. We don't have we don't have any time for that. The Lord uses these events to bring about a a possibility of an event to move men to what? To an opportunity to come to him because we will not come to God apart from that. We will not come to him. We won't come to him if we're sitting on a beach, sipping on a mimosa, and it's 85 degrees out, and all I hear is a beautiful ocean, and like everything's just perfect. Am I calling on God if I don't know him? Probably not. Most all of us probably received him when? In a time of need, in a time of lack, in a time of suffering, in a time of sadness. We need events, and God knows that it's for our own good. So, Whatever the case and however we want to arrive here that we don't have time to establish, David calls for a census. And Joab says, basically, in summary, all right, David, are you sure? Do you understand what you're doing? This is going to invoke some issues for your people. You do know that, right? This is going to be a problem. But he's a servant. He says, as the king says, I will do. May the Lord bless this event. Nonetheless, we'll go out. We'll number the people. He goes out and he brings back the number. The number in, in this context is insignificant. The whole point is the second that the word of the number comes back to David, he is moved to guilt. He, he immediately acknowledges his guilt and says, I, I'm a man of iniquity. Let's just summarize, okay? I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now, O oh Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. So he, he admits from the very beginning, we don't see the Lord come and like convict him and like, David, you were wrong. David, a man after God's own heart now, realizes the second this number comes back, what in the world am I doing? Why did I do that? I've acted foolishly. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. This is where things really start rolling according to what I want to get across today. When David arose early in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, and he says, I'm offering you three things, David. Man, we've got to get this down, right? Please pay attention. The word of the Lord comes through the prophet, and he says, basically, David, I'm giving you three options. You have three options right now before you in judgment, if you will, of response to your disobedience, okay? You can have a seven-year option, you can have a three-month option, or you can have a three-day option. We're not told specifically what David chose, but we're told in 2 Samuel 24, verse 15, that then the Lord sent a pestilence to Israel, okay? And this goes and it accomplishes what God set times, it says, it, it, until the appointed time, the three-day period passes, 70,000 men die. 70,000 men, chosen people, his chosen nation, 70,000 people are killed by this angel who comes and, and brings about the hand of God, the judgment of God. Now, here's the thing, right? And I have to establish as much as I can. He's given three options, okay? Three. 
The first two would have involved outside sources, his enemies, where you got to skip right past it and hit the heavy things here. But pestilence in the Hebrew scripture is dever, dever, okay? It is it is a pestilence 47 times in the Old Testament. It's a plague once, so we kind of move plague over for now. Pestilence is in here 47 times. It is a destroying plague. And, and notably, in the Strongs, it's 1698, okay? 1698 is dever, D-E-B-E-R, okay? Interestingly, and we have to just get straight to this. Now, that again, that's 1698. Now, 1697 is Davar. Davar. Now, Davar is pestilence, destroying plague. Davar is the word, the speech, the utterance, okay? I want to submit to you as a possibility from the very beginning that can we say, and we'll establish this rock hard, and if you have time to give yourself to the five-part series, skip part one. I'm just jabbering about everything for a full 30 minutes. Go to part two. Go all the way to part five, which is two hours of teaching that I established is so much greater than I can here, okay? So don't be like, well, there's really no proof of that. It is in here. It just takes a lot of time to really dig out and establish for our own understanding. But you cannot just go past 1697, Davar, 1698, Dever, the word or the speech or the utterance directly connected to pestilence destroying plague. What I'm submitting to you is can we, again, with more study and more time put behind it, understand from the very beginning that it's very, very possible, according to the scriptural pattern of God now, when we look at how God dealt with people, when you see pestilence, okay, so you get your phone. All right, so you get your phone, you go to your Bible app. All right, so hey, we have video. This is cool. You get your Bible app out and you go here. I've already got something open, so it doesn't matter. And you just put in pestilence. You start scrolling. Holy cow, hand of the Lord, pestilence. And the pestilence came from the Lord. And the Lord sent pestilence and the word of the Lord came and pestilence came to his people and to the earth. Listen, friends, we have got to get it through our minds that God is a God of righteous judgment. Now, David knew this because I believe that's part of why he chose door number three, if you will, to say, you know what? If I choose the pestilence, if I choose the devour of God, we will get what we deserve. The Dever. I don't want to get that wrong. I hate confusing things and teaching anything wrong. If we get the pestilence, we know it will be perfect. It will be righteous. It will be swift. Now, it's going to be awful as we see 70,000 men die in three days. Okay, y'all, do we understand that? We see hardly anything. We see one little tiny blip on the timeline of humanity and we freak out. I mean, look at this. Everyone is so afraid of death. They're gripped by fear. Nobody wants to go to the store. I went to the store about four hours ago and like it's like this weird apocalyptic scenario. Masks on, on probably at least half of the people, gloves. I'm standing in line in this intercom. It's like a movie. Thank you for visiting Kroger. Please proceed to the lines in the aisles and follow CDC protocol and keep six feet distance from your neighbor. And we're all here together and let's let's be safe, people. 
It's just so strange, right? Why? We look at this life, this vapor of a life now. We are blades of grass. And you know what we say? I can't let go. I can't let go of this life. This is too valuable. I'm facing that myself about going out and laying hands on people and praying for people and believing for healing. Why? Because Yeshua Messiah, you know what he said to me? He said, follow me, Joel, follow me. And what did he do? What did he do? He went towards. He said, only the sick need a physician. And guess what? I'm the healer. You need a physician, a a capital P great physician to come and to literally undo every single thing that you cannot do yourself. And listen, if we really believe that he ascended, why did he ascend? What did he say? I'm leaving to send someone greater than me. Okay. In the sense of what, well, what does this mean? You can, you can do even greater things, right? Why in the, how in the world, how in the world could I do greater? How could you do greater than the master rabbi, Yeshua, Messiah, the God, man, Emmanuel, the King of all Kings, the Lord of all Lords in flesh and blood body. How in the world can we do that? Why? He ascended to send the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to be more than just a mere helper. Come on, Joel, do something good today. Do good works. No, to empower us with a raging inferno to, you know what? To walk as the Messiah walked. And what's greater is Messiah was one God man. He was one Emmanuel and perfect Yahweh God's plan was to indwell a humanity. We are told in the creation of man to what? To demonstrate my glory upon all the earth in dominion, execute my dominion and my glory and my governmental authority through bodies of flesh. We have been given that opportunity once more in Yeshua Messiah to go into himself, to join ourselves with his death through being born again, regenerated, born of the water, born of the spirit. Then we don't just see the kingdom. We go into it. We join into his death and therefore his identity becomes my own. When in fact, I exchange mine for his. And so if we don't, if we don't like literally walk out a, I no longer live reality friend, it means nothing. If you know that verse and you quote it, it means nothing. It means nothing at all. If all the Christian church today in 2020 is, is these t-shirt catchphrase verses that say, well, it's no longer I that live. And then when an opportunity comes for us to go out and be dead to ourselves, we say, not really. Let's just be honest, right? The majority of the church, can we be honest and real? The majority of the church is retreating back to their homes Well, I'm not afraid, Joel. I'm wise. I'm not afraid. Now, listen, we have to examine ourselves and say, what am I really now? Like in your heart of hearts and your time communing with the father, not here on YouTube and like, hey, man, we're just here. I'm talking like real life, right? Our heart condition, the posture of our heart. What are we feeling in here? Is there anything in me that's saying, ah, not quite sure. Not, not quite sure that I really want to lose my life for his sake so that I might find it. I think this is a season and an opportunity for us to realize 
what in fact we hold on to when it comes to these natural bodies that are nothing but mere shells of the glory of God. If in fact we are in the sun, moved from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light, and now are operating in the governmental authority of God in unseen places. There is so much more to this that we've not even touched on. Of course, let's get back real quick. I'm going to make this two parts. I'm going to have to tell you that right now. We're already at 28 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so he's given three choices. The, the pestilence comes. It falls hard, right? But he knows God, ha- uh, David has to know that if I entrust myself to the purpose, perfect hand of God, this will accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish without question, without influence of other men. Okay. So it comes, man, and it comes hard. 70,000 men in three days. We're not experiencing that now. And everybody's already in a panic. Imagine if it was to this magnitude, praise the Lord for his grace and for his mercy. All right. Oh man, we got to go through all this stuff. Look into Goren, the threshing floor, those sorts of things. We don't have time for all of that. Interesting um, enough, though, real quick, I've got to get on this or or we're just going to miss one of the main points. Um, And then I'm going to make this another part. We'll just have to cut it off here. Second Samuel, chapter 24, verse 18. So Gad comes to David, the prophet seer comes to David and he says, you know what? Now the word of the Lord is saying this. And he says, go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Erunah, the Jebusite. So David went up according to the word of Gad, just as the Lord had commanded. In a nutshell, he goes up to this Aronah and he says, look, I'm coming here for the threshing floor. He's like, what in the world are you doing here? Great king, what are you doing? He says, "This is. I need to buy this. Erunah, the owner, whose name means joyful shouting, let's just not move past everything, says, you know what? Hey, may the Lord's will be done. May you do what you're called to do. According to the word of the Lord, here is the property and all the oxen. David says, no, I'm going to pay you 50 shekels for this property. We don't even have time to get into why 50. And so he says, I will pay a price for this because I'm not going to offer sacrifices to my God that will not cost me anything. So we have to establish a pattern of David real quick. Excuse me. Admission of his guilt, of his iniquity, of his sin. He immediately says, oh, God, what have I done? Forgive me. Show us mercy. Okay, we have to go and establish that. He says, some very specific things in regards to the judgment that's coming to the people because of his own actions now. And let's make this point and we're going to stop it. You, my friend, have got to realize we have to fess up to our own sin. I'm going to come in real close. We have got to fess up to our own responsibilities here. The whole church seems to want to point the finger. It's the homosexuals. It's the It's the Democrats. No, it's the Republicans. No, it's China. Look, we love to finger wag and we love to find the guilty party. But you know what? Right here. We are guilty. We are the ones of iniquity. Why is that so hard for the church in this age that I know and I live right smack dab in the middle of to admit, you know what? Forget everybody else. Look at me. So what does David say? This is a scripture now. What does it say? David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people. And he says to the Lord now, behold, it is I who have sinned. 
It is because of what I have done. I have done wrong. But these sheep, what in the world have they done? Now listen to this. And I, and I posed this in the podcast already in the audio version. When was the last time, myself included, any of us ever was sitting on our floor, communing with God and asking the Lord to examine us from the inside out? And we said these words right here. Please let your hand, O God, be against me and against my father's house. I mean, seriously, when was the last time you were you were before the Lord in such a level of repentance over your own guilt, over your own iniquity that you said, God, let all of your attention fall right on me. Let your judgment, your righteous judgment that I deserve fall on me and me alone. I will take this because I myself am guilty. I am saying if you yourself say that you are in the church, you are in the body of Christ, whatever you call it now. If you are a a Christ man. You yourself has got to fess up to your iniquity, to your sin, to your rebellion, to your idolatry, to your abandoning of all the ways of God's people that we see we're commanded to carry out for the rest of our days, even in Yeshua Messiah. We ourselves have got to turn inward and look at ourselves and say, I am a man of iniquity. Me. Oh, God, start with me. Now, everybody's throwing out the verse, you know, if if the, if men just humble themselves and pray and turn and the Lord, you know, all the, we know that. Right. But have you read the verses that precede that? Are we talking about what it really means scripturally to humble ourselves and pray? Friends, the hour is now. I don't care where this this could all blow away and be gone in 30 days. I don't know. This is not some apocalyptic message. This is an ancient, ancient thought of, you know, how you go to God? Repentance. I say this all the time. I'm going to close the door and we'll go to the next one. The goodness of God does not lead you to God, friend. The goodness of God does not lead men to God. Everybody in this hour wants to say, well, God's so good. He's a loving father. He's perfect. He's a good, good father. We sing the song even in my house, right? Yes and amen. But you know what? His goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his compassion. Do you know what it leads you to? It doesn't lead you to his throne now. It leads you to repentance. It leads you to repentance. Because if you can just imagine there is a door between you and the eternal father and it's repentance, repentance, repentance. And repentance and Yeshua Messiah, your savior, rescuer, deliverer is right there, ready to be your mediator, your great high priest to to deliver you, if you will, to the Father. But you're not going through the Son. You're not getting to the Father. You will not know your eternal creator unless you go through his pattern, his way, by his goodness, which I would say is buried within the pestilence word, repentance. This is not anything new, friends. Now, it may sound foreign, but it's not anything new. This is the Path to Zion podcast. Hey, Video edition, we're going to go into, I'm, I've got to make this too, because my whole point is that you actually watch and that you actually listen to it in its entirety. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to go to part two. I will absolutely make it two parts. The purpose within the pestilence, 
Thank you for listening. If you think there's one lick of anything true in this, would you share this? Not because I want anybody to see my awesome wood paneling from 1962 in my living room, but because this is the eternal word of God. Amen.